What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 64 of the Triage Method podcast. I'm live on air with Mr. Patrick Farrell, live from Idaho. How are you doing, Patty? How's your holiday? If you could not say it like that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, but yes, I am in Idaho. It's actually fucking glorious out. I hear it's pissing rain over there. It's been like 35 oh. degrees uh, Celsius over here every day. Sun absolutely positively beautiful it's just been great having a wonderful time gary so thank you for asking i love the way you have to say celsius now like because you know you're just away from us like you've got a time it's so weird in in the gym i'm like converting all my kilos to pounds and i'm like oh wait is that is that right and i'm like oh that's 135 pounds and i'm like no 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 no, no. that's 90 pounds you know it's like i I kind of know the conversion, but it's not, it's not like that off the top of my head. But yeah, it's a bit weird, but we're getting used to it. I'm going to start measuring everything in dead commies per football field and it'll all be good. <laughs> Too easy. So what are we talking about this week? Uh, today we are going to talk about the fact that people learn a single method of i don't know what you call it diet diet yeah a single method method of dieting um whether that's for gaining losing weight maintaining whatever they effectively learn one method and then first of all presume that that method is the best way okay because you see that a lot and we can talk to certain like say fad diets and stuff to that point um <clears throat> but second to that people then are completely at a loss when they are away from their ability to actually employ that method. For example, and one we'll talk about a bit in this episode uh, is people use, say, like my fitness pal, they do like calorie and macronutrient tracking, and they'll, they'll be really good at that. Okay, but I don't know, my fitness pal is them. They don't have their phone, they are away from the internet, whatever, and all of a sudden they basically have no clue how to eat accordingly you know so that's what we're kind of talking about today so people learning a diet method and then being lost without that diet method or thinking that diet, that diet method is the only way that they can possibly get gains so do you have anything to, yeah. to start gary yeah like i think this is a good discussion to have because like we're not, e we're not even like poking holes here at the people that just have like totally crap diets or like just terrible diet structures. It's actually like, like this is more of a problem that's prevalent with people who, you know, you've got your shit together. You know, you're actually doing a pretty good job. You're tracking things. You're making the effort with your nutrition. But I guess just trying to get people to shift their focus to the longer term because, you know, I've had plenty of clients, um, a couple of personal trainers who are currently on board now who, you know, they've, they've been tracking their nutrition for years really on board with it but at the moment their goal is more so kind of like maintenance and performance related so you know i've spoken to a good few of those guys about how you know why don't you actually try and step away from tracking for a while until you get on with it and we've been working on that over a period of months moving towards that kind of more quote-unquote intuitive eating approach um, and you'll obviously see that term kind of bandied around a lot like and some people interpret like intuitive eating as oh yeah, just eat whatever I feel like eating. When in fact, like obviously there's a, there's a big 
mindfulness component built into that. Like you're still being mindful about your food choices and the, the types of foods that one is going to decide to eat are still going to be in line with your goals. So it's not just totally like winging it either. Um, and it, it, it is interesting to see how people value actually moving away from tracking and just get, kind of learning how to eat and just being comfortable with that. Because like obviously the more you move into using an app and technology, etc., the more you move away from kind of relying on your hunger cues, relying on, you know, like the, your social environment, like, like, would you, would you eat the same thing if you didn't have to, if you did or, or didn't have to ask yourself. So, so yeah, this is something that, that applies to people who have their shit together. So it's not just about someone who has never tracked nutrition before at all. Yeah. And I think that it is good kind of segue into a lot of different things to think about. <clears throat> so hopefully when people are listening to this, they kind of start thinking like, oh, actually, maybe I am over relying on one aspect. So mm-hmm. we'll deal with the, the, the tracking side of things first and how that can, like what we generally recommend, like you're saying there. And then we'll kind of go into maybe some fad diets at the end where mm-hmm. people are like, oh, this is the way you have to diet. This is the only way you can get gains, get results, get shredded, whatever it is. Right? So like generally what we recommend, we have like three tiers. That's kind of how we do our nutrition. The first tier is habit-based change. And that's generally speaking, that's for people that are kind of getting into fitness, you know, that maybe they're, they're just doing this as an adjunct to their life. They just want to maybe lose a few pounds. It's nothing extraordinary. It's literally just, okay, you're doing X, Y, and Z habits. Let's try to see if we can change them to quote unquote better habits and start moving the needle towards getting better body composition, better performance, better health, just by making these little tweaks. For example, stuff like don't drink your calories, you know, like don't no liquid calories, you know, something as simple as that could be the thing that changes you from being in a surplus to being in a deficit, you know? So stuff like that, those kind of habit-based change. And obviously that builds into all the other habit-based change stuff. And this is why it is tier one, because effectively all nutrition diet methods rely on your habits you know like once something becomes a habit then that's it's what you do repeatedly you know like nutrition isn't just one meal it is the the chronic stuff that you're doing day in meal in meal out every single day all the all the way right so that's what you have to think of with nutrition and again habit or habit change is what's going to affect those choices chronically right so all methods have that foundation of habit-based change okay so it's tier one again it's the quote-unquote the easy tier and that's not to say that it's uh, the easiest one to actually implement generally speaking it's actually the hardest one to do because habit-based change is, is simply hard you know and we've written about this a lot in the militia and stuff but then tier, tier two this is kind of we'll say portion-based control right and this is where you know you're you're looking out for certain portions of vegetables, carbohydrates, protein, fats, whatever, right? And this can take on many forms. It, like there literally are so many ways you can actually implement this, but effectively at its heart, it's controlling the amount of portion of certain foods that you eat, of certain types of foods that you eat, so that you affect your calorie and your macronutrient intake, right? So again, it's portion control. Okay. Um, then final one is 
tier three, and this would be your, your calorie tracking and your macronutrient tracking. So using an app like MyFitnessPal, or you can go old school pen and paper and one of those database log table things that have all the, the different foods in them, because that's how they used to do it. Um, so you can do it like that. Again, that's the tier three, right? And if, you, if you're in the militia and you've read through the articles, you see how we've kind of laid it out, how they all kind of go, they flow into each other, right? So you go tier one, tier two, tier three, and you read it all. And then at the end of it, you get to tier three, right? Or at the end of tier three, rather, you get to an article and it kind of says like the, the lifetime calorie appropriate diet, okay? And that's, that's essentially what we're kind of talking about today, okay? And well, to an extent it is, right? So when people go through this, most people get into the fitness industry and you'll be told, oh yeah, you need to track your calories. You need to track your macronutrients. You need to be in a calorie deficit. You need to be in a calorie surplus. And if you're coming to this and you're kind of going, what the fuck does that even mean? You know, it can be quite overwhelming, but you navigate it. We've talked about it before. Literally, there's so much information out there on that topic. We're not going to cover it again, right? But you navigate it all, right? So you've been tracking calories. You know, you, you, whatever. You did 12, 16 weeks of tracking calories and you got shredded, shredded beyond belief, right? And then you're like, okay, let's see if I can keep going with this. And you keep going with it. You go through, you know, maybe a, a lean bulk. Uh, you do uh, some maintenance phases. You do some mini cuts. You do another diet. You blah, blah, blah. You go through it all right? So you become pretty adept at calorie tracking, macronutrient tracking. And as long as you have my fitness pal and you can either scan the barcode or you can weigh and measure something, you can track it in my fitness pal. Okay. And then you can go, okay, so I know exactly where my calories are. I know exactly where my macronutrients are. Boom. I can stay on track. Right. And that is extremely liberating for most people. The ability to eat out and stay on track and that literally it makes dieting so much easier being able to go out and have food with your friends family whatever and still stay on track man that's unreal that sounds like the ultimate goal so why are we saying now that maybe that's not the ultimate goal okay so again do you find the ad so far gary no you're on the right track perfect keep going so you get to that and you're kind of like thinking now going, well, why, why would I mess with a system that's clearly working? I'm able to eat out with friends, family. I'm able to stay on track. And as long as I have my fitness pal, it's all pretty good. Right? So why would you go away from that? Well, essentially you get to a point or rather you should get to actually we'll, we'll cover from the two perspectives that go wrong with that system. First of all, if you don't have my fitness pal, if you don't have a scales, if you don't have a way of measuring your food, that can throw people off a huge amount, okay? And again, like even though we're saying like, oh, most people are doing this well and they're kind of going, I can track my calories, I can eat out with friends, family, whatever. There's also a subsection of people that if they can't weigh and measure their food, then they can't track it on my fitness pal. So YOLO, I can't track it. It doesn't count. I'm not going to track it. So they eat off track anyway, right? So that's, that's kind of one subsection of people the people who find they even though they're, they're tracking their calories they end up essentially binging because they had a meal out and they, they couldn't fit it in because they didn't know exactly how much proportion this was they they weren't sure and as a result they just ah, fuck it like i just eat whatever's in front of me right again that can be dealt with 
quite easily enough, you kind of go, okay, well, you're going to have to learn to estimate the, the food quantity that is in front of you, right? And that's essentially where, again, we see perhaps not tracking eventually, which we'll, we'll talk about in a, section, in a second, is the way forward with things for, for some people, right? So you have to know how to track, estimate the amount of calories, the amount of macronutrients in food without having my fitness pal in your hand, okay? And a lot of people don't get to that stage with tracking calories like actively, like they kind of just rely 100% on my fitness pal. Like if I showed them 100 grams of potato, they'd be like, oh, I don't, I like, I have no idea how many calories are in that, how many, like what, what's, what macros are in that. They're, they're just completely un unsure because they've just completely relied on my fitness pal, right? And like, they're not able to kind of go, that's roughly 200 grams. They're, they're not able to go, that's roughly 500 grams, whatever it is, you know? So they've over relied on the app rather than building a kind of, we'll say a, a kind of database in their head of the kind of foods that they would normally eat, the rough calories, the rough, you know, carbohydrate content, protein content, whatever in that food. So they haven't built that database because they've been relying on my fitness pal, which is fine. That I actually don't see that as a huge issue because, you know, nine times out of 10, even more than that, 99 times out of a hundred, you're going to have my fitness pal. Like most places have internet. Most places you have your phone on you. And even if you don't have your phone on you and you have somewhat of a, you know, maybe you go out for lunch and you have somewhat of a recollection of how much quantity, what kind of size the food is on. You can just track it later. It's no big deal. Right? So I don't see that as a huge issue. Right? The, the inability to, track food without using my fitness pal. I don't, I don't see it as a huge issue. Do you see that as a huge issue, Gary? Or would you say that having, like you need to build that database in your head? Do you, do you, do you see it as a big issue? Yeah, no, like I don't, I don't, th I don't think it's a big problem for someone to like, like have a real worry about not having access to it. Cause realistically you're going to have access to it most of the time. Like more so I think our concerns are that people are totally dependent on it and like if they do want to go on holidays or whatever, sometimes it can be nice to get a bit of a break from that. And ultimately, in the long term, you might want to get to the, to the point where you no longer have to use MyFitnessPal. And not even that, but that you also don't have to be so analytical about every meal that you eat because you're at a, a kind of a happy place for years and maintain good body composition. Like that, that's more so where we're looking to go. So it's, it's a more distal goal as opposed to just like the, for the one day when you don't have my fitness pal. Yeah, we're getting to that, Gary. Don't worry. All right. So I know. Yeah, you get that and you go, okay, yeah, I don't have my fitness pal. Cool. No big deal. I've actually learned somewhat. I have a, a somewhat of a database in my head of the foods. I know roughly that that meal in front of me there is 500 calories. Awesome. You're able to track without tracking to some extent. You're able to enter it into my fitness pal later on. It is no big deal. Okay. And then you move on from there. And like Gary was saying, there, there comes a point where you have to kind of start thinking about your overall goals. Right. And obviously we're talking more so to people that are five, 10, maybe even 15 years into their fitness journey in, the, in most circumstances. Right. It could, it could be two. You could be at that stage, but 
most of the time you're going to get to a stage where you're kind of like, I'm happy with my overall body composition. I'm happy with the level of muscle I have. Maybe you're unhappy with it and you wouldn't mind some more, but again, like that's, that's, that's the case for most people. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're happy enough. You're like, yeah, I have good body composition. I have good performance. I have good health. Everything is on track, right? So why do I need to still use this app, right? And you, you see this play out. Well, we would consider it incorrectly, and maybe that's because we're bigots or something. I don't know. But you'll see this uh, applied incorrectly, like the, the approach we're going to talk about in a second. You see this applied incorrectly in a lot of the, the female fitness industry, right? And what I mean by that is, the female fitness industry has this hyper focus on dieting. It's always dieting. That's all they ever really talk about dieting. And it's really an on off approach to dieting. And again, we're going to essentially recommend that now in a second, but I want to show how it's sometimes, obviously I'm tarring everyone with the same brush here by saying that the female fitness industry, um, but you, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? And what they'll, what they'll do is they'll be like, right, oh, summer's coming up or I have an event or a whatever. I've gotten a little bit too, you know, chunky for my liking and then they'll be on their diet. They'll track their calories, they'll track their macros and they'll be on their diet for six, 12, 18 weeks, whatever it is for them to reach their goal, right? And then they kind of just go off their diet. Like there's just, there's no, they're, they're either on their diet, they're either tracking calories, macros, whatever, excuse me, or they are off their diet. They're just, it's, there's, no, there's no tracking involved. There's nothing. There may be some sort of intuitive approach to eating, but there's also a lot of YOLO, I'll just have that meal, I'll have whatever is going, yeah, give me that pizza slice, whatever it is. And then, again, like six weeks later, they're kind of like, oh, like I have a little bit too much fat here, I don't like that, so I'm going to start dieting again. And then they start tracking their calories and they start, you know, they basically have this on-off approach to dieting. Right. And in our experience, that is a kind of, I'm going to say a bad approach purely because it leaves people kind of spinning their wheels. Like these, uh, this female fitness industry, whatever, I'm putting that in, in quotation marks, uh, has this approach where their only focus is on fat loss. Like they're never looking to the future in terms of building more muscle, which is something that most people that's actually what they want to do. Even if they don't necessarily know that that's what they want to do, especially for females, like you want to have, if you're like, oh, I want to have big glutes. And it's like, well, you need to build up a baseline of muscle to have those big glutes. It's not just like, yes, it is fat, but it's not just fat, right? Like you have to, you have to spend some time in a, in a surplus actually gaining muscle to have the look that you want, that quote unquote toned look. And again, I'm, I'm tiring everyone with the same brush here, but you know what I'm talking about, right? So that we see that as applied poorly. Would you agree with that, Carrie? Yes, sir. I'm going to speak for a second so I can have a drink of water. It's quite dry here, Gary. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and just to kind of reiterate your point, like we're clearly like just taking a, a sample population. Like you're probably, probably thinking like the kind of, female fitness influencers who do the whole on off thing but obviously like a lot of the people listening to this podcast you know you you mightn't even be in that population you could just be getting into things you probably you could be a personal trainer who's very into muscle building so like it's and this is definitely another thing like this is very much a male problem as well like you'll definitely have a lot of guys that do this where they track 
just for short periods of time when they want to diet. And then they just bulk and put up the throwback photos for the rest of the year, you know. And, and the bulk is generally, like you're saying, it's a bit of just a YOLO thing, you know. Just eat as much as you can, kind of just eat whatever you want, like, and then turn around in six months' time and be like, whoa, where'd that uh, extra 15 kilos of body fat come from? And then repeat the process. So it's very much the, the same across the sexes. Yeah, like you do see that kind of perma-bulker as well. Like they'll diet for like, six weeks and i'll be like oh no man this is getting a little bit hard so back to bulking like, <laughs> um but yeah obviously we're just taking that kind of snapshot but that's where you see it applied poorly right but you've been tracking for a while again it could be as little as we'll say two years like you we want you to have gone through a few different phases of you know maybe losing weight gaining weight maintaining so did you have a kind of working knowledge of how your body is going to feel and uh, like perform at those different stages you know you want to have some sort of an understanding of your body's reaction to the diet across different calorie levels if that makes sense right so for most people what we're going to talk about now it's going to apply more so when you get more advanced however that's also not to say that you couldn't be at this stage after six months, you know, like it, that's not to say that at all. Right. And this is especially true for people that are in that kind of, we'll say that gen pop uh, position where it's like, you basically just want to lose a little bit of fat and gain a little bit of muscle, but you're not looking to be, I don't know, the incredible Hulk and you're not looking to be, you know, show ready lean, you know? So it's just like, I just want to tone up a little bit and I want to, enjoy going to the gym enjoy food in general and again this could apply to you then after you've already spent a large section of time either you know controlling portions and and as an adjunct to that somewhat tracking calories or if you've been tracking calories and macros for those six months right so what we're going to talk about now is a bit more advanced and that doesn't mean that it's hard or it's a quote-unquote advanced strategy for fat loss or anything like that it just means that you have to have spent some time nailing the the basics before you can get onto this would you agree gary you have to have like spent some time learning and understanding of your body before you can kind of get onto what we're going to talk about now yeah and i think i think people are like coaches and people who put out information especially people who advise on things like you know, oh, everyone should just be eating intuitively and not tracking and stuff. Like a lot of the people that put out those messages, I often find that it's it's a really it's an example of not being able to look at yourself at different points in time and at others at different points in time. Because like what we have to realize is that like me and you here now, we, we, we're we're discussing this with all of our past experiences, both through coaching, through ourselves, and through observing others over multiple years. So with that, you kind of end up in this place where you're. You could, you could look at things solely from your perspective now or through the perspective of you as your 16 or 17-year-old self. And I think people are very poor at doing that. Like, so it, it's not as simple as just saying, um, oh, just don't track, just eat intuitively to the person who has never built any basic nutrition habits. Like, it, it's just not, not as simple as that for that person. Whereas for you, for the individual who has been tra training or managing their nutrition for five, seven, 10 years, like, you know what a portion of edge looks like. You know, you know the basic 
food prep skills involved in that. You know what a basic chicken breast might weigh, you know. You ask any bodybuilder and they'll be able to tell you the weight of a chicken breast just looking at it, you know, because they're the skills, the soft skills that people don't often appreciate. So so that is important before moving on to, to what we would call, I guess, an, a quote-unquote advanced strategy. Yeah, so you need to have built up that awareness of your body. You need to have built up, like you're saying, those soft skills. You know, that's a rough portion of that. That's a rough portion of that, etc. You understand, again, like, I don't know, stuff that maybe someone coming into this wouldn't necessarily think of like adding oils to your food. Like that has to be accounted for someone coming into the industry might be like, Oh geez, I just cook chicken breasts with olive oil all the time. I didn't know I had to account for the olive oil I was using. So stuff like that, you, you have a better understanding. You have a, an overall better big picture scheme of things. And you also have the ability to look at the, the minutiae because I think that kind of gets lost as well. Like you're saying, if people are kind of like, a big picture you want to get to a stage where you can intuitively eat so then people will recommend intuitive eating right because that's essentially what we're talking about here now in a second and they'll be like, yeah intuitive eating perfect that's what you need to do but they they forget that their only reason they're able to have that kind of we'll say a bigger picture the intuitive eating bigger picture is because they've built up the skills to be able to look at the minutiae over time so they're able to look at those smaller pieces and see how they fit into the bigger picture Right. So if you only look at the big picture and you never know about like these little jigsaw pieces that you have to put together to make that big picture work, like it's, it's always going to look like a blur when you're looking at the big picture. Right. So essentially, like as Gary was saying, we're, we're talking about an advanced strategy. And most people would essentially call what we're going to talk about intuitive eating. Right. Yes. What we're saying is there is actually nothing intuitive about it. Right. Like there is to an extent because you as someone who has built up all these soft skills are being more intuitive with your, your food intake rather than being very anal about it and weighing, tracking, measuring every single thing. Right. So it's more intuitive for those individuals, but it's not intuitive for someone who has never built up those soft skills. Right. So as we were saying, it's a, it's a, it's an advanced dieting strategy okay and it's advanced purely because you have to have built up those soft skills you have to have spent some time doing different calorie levels learning how your body responds understanding your body right so you have to have built up that basic framework before you can even start thinking about this intuitive eating right so you gary you you pretty much eat intuitively yourself yeah. right and you've spent a lot of time tracking calories tracking macros uh you've tried different diets you've done keto you've done you've done all those different things again building up an understanding of how different foods affect your body how different portions of food affect your body how different timing strategies affect your body. You know, maybe I know you perform better with carbs in the morning or the evening, or you notice you're a bit sluggish if you do this and you're sitting down for periods of time. So you've built up all these, these kind of soft skills uh, and awareness of your body. You're able to understand when you're hungry versus when you're bored versus when you're just thirsty, right? So you have that understanding of your body, right? And I want you to talk to that in a second there. And I want to just first say that there's essentially two different strategies that we're going to talk about here now, right? And 
neither of them is completely correct, right? Or neither of them is the way. They're both, they're both appropriate, right? And the first one is just the pure, we'll say, portion size awareness, right? You know roughly what calories you're supposed to be at. You know roughly where your protein is supposed to be at. And you just kind of eat intuitively around that, right? In terms of you make sure you have a certain amount of portion of food that allows you to stay roughly within those calories, roughly at that protein level. And that's kind of what I think you do, Gary, right? So we'll come back to that now in a second, right? And then there's a second method, which is, we'll call it the, the loose tracking method, right? So generally what you'll see people do is they'll use the loose tracking method to get onto where Gary is at, right? And if you read the articles in the militia, like the tier three, when we kind of talk about the lifetime calorie appropriate diet, this is essentially what we're talking about, the, the kind of loose tracking. Like Gary, I was saying for Gary's method, you have uh, an awareness of calories, you have an awareness of protein, and you have awareness of your carbohydrate and fat needs, and you're kind of loosely tracking. Like you're not overly anal, you're like, yeah, I know that's roughly 100 grams of... I don't know, potato, that's roughly 100 grams of chicken. And you're kind of enter, still entering into MyFitnessPal, maybe not every day, but you're still kind of using MyFitnessPal or other such app and just keeping an eye on your nutrition. You're not getting too worried about it. You know, roughly, if you eat more one day, you know, maybe you went out, you can just pull back the next day, or maybe it doesn't matter, you're more active, whatever. You have a very loose approach to tracking calories, right? And generally what you'll see is, that's where people will start with this more intuitive eating and then they'll move on to where Gary is at, right? However, what you'll also see, presumably, uh, with Gary, I actually know he does this, but with Gary as well, he will also every so often go back to that loose tracking method so that he can go, yeah, my calories where I think they are, my protein intake, whatever, yeah, it's where it should be. It's not just that you're letting these portion sizes get completely out of control. You're not letting these calories get completely out of control. So every so often, he just touches base with the calories, the macros, and ensures that he's still where he thinks he is, right? And they're the kind of two approaches that we're talking about now. That kind of loose tracking where you're still tracking most days. It's not really, really anal. Maybe you're not even weighing and measuring. Like Essentially, this is what I'm doing here when I'm in Idaho, like I'm kind of still tracking food, but I'm, I'm basically just trying to stay roughly within calories and try to hit my protein goal. And I don't really care too much about where my fats and my, my carbs are, but I'm kind of just keeping an eye on it, loosely tracking uh, on my fitness pile. Because like, first of all, I don't, some of the foods I'm eating, I don't know what calories are in them. I, I have no idea. And while, yeah, this is a quote unquote holiday for me, like I am going to be here for three months. So I don't want to get morbidly obese just because I didn't know what calories were in these foods that I'm eating, you know? So I'm still keeping a, a very loose, um, ready, rough and ready kind of approach to tracking. But so I actually like tracking. I know lots of people don't like tracking. Like I like to still, like I like that seeing the figures and being like, like I like to be able to look back and flick through it and be like, all right, well, I can see that I've been, when I was at this weight or when I was feeling this good or this performance, that these are the calories I was on. This is my activity level. Like I like being able to have that data. Some people don't, some people find it a chore. So again, this is kind of what we're talking to. So I'm using that kind of loose approach where I'm keeping an eye on calories 
making sure I'm hitting my protein goal and then letting things kind of fall where they may around that, right? Um, and most people will use this approach that I'm using to get to Gary's approach where he is now for most days. And as I said, some like Gary does, he'll touch back with the approach I'm using every so often to ensure he is where he thinks he is. So Gary, talk to us about the approach that you're currently using, this kind of intuitive dieting approach, which we'll say it's, it's more so portion control. Because again, I think like this kind of goes from that tier three, like we were saying, you get through all that tier three, and then you essentially get to the stage where you kind of go back to tier two and you're just kind of more aware of portion sizes. You just have a, a better understanding of how to apply portion control without needing to track. I think that's where you are right now. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so I actually just finished up uh, like three weeks or maybe four weeks of, of kind of what you were saying of going back to tracking a little bit stricter for a while. Like not stricter, but just kind of tracking within a range, not really caring too much about carbs and fats, you know, et cetera. Basically like what you were saying, I did that for three or four weeks just to kind of check in and be like, am I being too kind to myself about like the size of my bowls of porridge or whatever, you know, just, just seeing like how accurate are my estimates, even though I'm not always estimating. Um, and that was actually while I was kind of maintaining body weight because I'd rather do it like that and then kind of test myself with the intuitive approach when I'm dieting. I like to do that. But, but for the year before, um, including like two periods where, of losing like six to eight kilos, I basically just didn't track at all. But there's, there's varying, varying levels of, I guess, what, like what you're talking about there, portion control within that. So like if I was trying to lose, lose body fat like a little bit more aggressively, um, like I was kind of from March to the end of April, then what I would do in that case is have a, firstly, have a fairly consistent routine and secondly, have some degree of consistency in my food choices. So then that just allows you to start to build an approach where it's, it's, it's fairly consistent. There's not a whole pile of fluctuation. Um, and you can essentially assess like how effective your approach is then based on the changes in body composition. As in, if I was doing that and I was gaining like a kilo a week, then I'd be like, all right, I need to change something here. Um, but at the same time, the, the way that I would approach that is, is approaching it with a, a certain expectation of how hungry I should feel. And that like at the rate of fat loss that I was aiming for, I expected that I should be, you know, pretty hungry and that before my meals, I should, I should really want them. You know, that, that's essentially what I was looking for. So going into it with that expectation um, essentially allows that, allows that process to fulfill itself because you, you, you're, setting, you're setting a parameter that most people wouldn't set, as in you're, you're, you're essentially saying like, all right, I, I want to be hungry. I want to be and taking, taking things from there. So you're, you're going by portion control in that you have some idea of the calories you're eating, but you're also kind of reinforcing that with hunger levels. And then you're further reinforcing that with things like body weight and body composition. So it's definitely not just winging it. You know, you're definitely not winging it. And the level of intensiveness or attention that I would pay to those different variables will vary depending on my goal. Like at the moment, I'm just trying to kind of maintain my body weight. I don't have a, a particular goal. It will probably trend upwards slowly over time. So for me at the moment, the consistency and being hungry is a, it's a different story. So for me now, like I'm eating to the point where I'm full. And even if I want to have a snack in the evening and I'm not particularly hungry, 
I'll kind of have it because I know that based on my activity level, that's probably what's needed for me to actually maintain and support performance. So you are still definitely paying attention to things. And that's where the, the intuition comes in, comes into it really. Like we're, we're, when we're talking about intuitive eating, it's not just intuitive in a sense of like whatever you want to eat. It's intuitive in a sense of like, what, what are you being mindful of? What do you, th- what, what should you expect? for your goal, what should you expect given the type of diet that you're eating, um, and then not losing sight of, of basic nutrition habits either. And again, that, that's, that's why the soft skills are so important. It's far more difficult to maintain or lose body weight um, with this intuitive approach if you're eating a very low quality diet. If you're eating lots of like ultra processed foods, you're not eating a lot of vegetables, you're not eating a lot of protein, then it's very clear why someone would eat and end up overeating, you know. Um, and that's essentially what happens in the general population. You know, people eat to, to satisfy their hunger or what they feel they need, but because of the foods that they're often eating, it tends to skew their perception of their actual energy needs, their appetite, food cravings, etc. And that's where people get led astray. So if you are that type of person who feels like, oh, intuitive eating is just dumb because it just says whatever, you just eat whatever. It's like, it's a bit of a straw man when people talk about it. Like I know some people do kind of have that approach, but overall it's more so about being mindful, paying attention to the things that you think you should probably be paying attention to and also just not losing sight of, of basic nutrition habits while also respecting the fact that you have your own, you know, inherent like social needs. You have a life and you're allowed to live it. Like you're over in Idaho at the moment, you're going to go for a burger or nachos or ribs or whatever with with your girlfriend. And that's just something that is built in. And you can do that when you're tracking. And I can do the same thing when I'm not tracking. But for me, when I'm not tracking, if I'm eating meals like that, then I'd, I'd I'd have to recognize that, all right, Gary, you're probably going to want to eat more calories than you normally would if you're eating a more nutrient dense, high volume meal. So don't just rely on appetite. You know, that's, that's silly. So, so that's why those soft skills and a bit of experience is quite important. Yeah, and I think this is where the conversation kind of gets derailed. People like use that straw man argument being like, oh, it's fucking stupid because you're just eating YOLO, whatever, bruh. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's, that's true. That's the way some people approach it. And again, that's what we're saying is, excuse me, the, the wrong way to approach it, which is what, like I was saying, like the, the female fitness industry essentially does. And like Gary was saying, those kind of bro bulkers do, they essentially just go YOLO. Like I am intuitive eating. I need these cows, bruh, you know, and I just eat whatever, you know, and it's, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Like you actually do some sort of intuitive dieting or like what I call the, the lifetime calorie appropriate diet, you know, where it's like, you eat the roughly around the calories that you're supposed to be eating. Like you should be able to know that. So that's already the first skill. You should already be able to know roughly what kind of calories you need. Right. And that includes like Gary was saying, like if you're, you're more active or if you eat out and you're over consuming, you know how to, how that fits into the bigger picture of your overall calories. So that's already the first thing you need to, have an eye to even though it's intuitive you're able to understand what calories or calorie level is going to get you to the 
the level of body composition, performance, health, whatever it is that you want to get to, right? So you already have to, out of the gate, still be aware of calories. Now, again, there's multiple ways you can do that. That can be based on, like Gary's saying, hunger levels, the scales, the mirror, like any of those kind of things. Like you, you have to use some sort of feedback to be able to tell you that you are at a calorie appropriate diet. And that's the same if you're tracking calories or not, you know? But as we're saying, like this is a, a quote unquote advanced skill. So you should already have those skills. You know, you should already be able to do that. You should already be able to know how and when to adjust your calorie level, your calorie intake, so that you can stay in and around the calories that are needed to get your goals or get to your goals, right? So that's already the first thing. You should also already understand like what foods give you what macronutrients and in roughly what quantities. Again, like that's not to say that you need to be tracking these. And it's not to say that every single day you're going to hit these targets. The one target that I would suggest having a very good understanding of is protein because those are your two big hitters in terms of body composition, health, performance, is your calorie intake and your protein intake. So if you can understand those two things and you're able to structure a diet around that, every single thing else that you hear in the fitness industry, whether we say it, whether someone else says it, if you can find a diet that allows you to track your calories in some meaningful way, or rather it allows you to hit your calories in some meaningful way, allows you to hit your protein in some meaningful way, some meaningful way, if I could speak, uh, that allows you to actually adhere to it long-term, then you're going to get results. The amount of fat you eat, the amount of carbs you eat is largely irrelevant once you're getting a baseline amount, especially with fat intake. And again, this can be tweaked based on your goals, experiences, your performance, your health, whatever, right? So it's an individual thing. You know, some people perform better with higher fat diets, some people perform better with lower carb or higher carb or whatever the fuck right? But as, as long as you're getting your minimal needs with those two macronutrients, which is really not that hard to do, like that's roughly, you know, 0.6 uh, grams per kilo in, in terms of fat. So for me, I weigh roughly 100 kilos. So that's 60 grams of fat. That is just not hard to get eating a normal diet. Like you have to be excessively anal about your food choices to get it below that. If you're eating roughly 3,000, 3,500 calories that I'm eating, like I would have to purposely try to limit my fat sources to get it below 60, right? So that's not a hard thing. And in terms of carbs, like we'll say you need roughly 30 to 50 grams of carbs per day. Like you don't actually need carbs, but for most people that's going to prevent them going into, well, over 50 is going to prevent them going into like a, a more ketogenic state, which is, again, that's perfectly fine if that's what you want to do. But for most people, that's not what they want to do. Um, and that's also not hard to get. Like you have to purposely eat in a way to not get over 50 grams or to get less than 50 grams of carbs, right? So, if you can find a diet that allows you to hit your calories and hit your protein, you're pretty much successful. And this is what we're saying this intuitive dieting is supposed to do. It's supposed to allow you to keep an eye to calories, keep an eye to protein, and then eat in a way that you don't have to whip out the scales every single time you want to eat. You don't have to scan a barcode every single time that you want to eat. You're just able to go, that's roughly the portion of that that I need to stay within my calories and I need a portion of that to stay within my protein. And that's it. It is literally that simple 
in terms of this intuitive eating. It's not like people, like you're saying with that straw man argument where it's like, oh yeah, just eat YOLO, whatever the fuck you want to do. It doesn't matter. You're intuitive eating. That's, that's not the approach. It's not just eat calories in excess or in a deficit or maybe all over the place depending it's a rough idea of where your calories are supposed to be at yes that can change based on your differing activity levels during that day week month whatever um but you still have an eye to it and again you have an eye to your overall protein intake right and again you can use like i was saying the the loose tracking which is very easy to allow you to hit it or you can use what Gary is saying, which is basically an understanding of portion control. And then with both of them, you're just layering on that kind of hunger, body composition, body fat, scales, weight, etc., to allow you to understand whether you are actually at an appropriate calorie level. Okay. Does that sound pretty simple, Gary? Yeah. And I think the other point as well is that like you have to... <laughs> Lauren's here trying to annoy me. <laughs> you have to trust yourself. Do I fight her? Do fight her. Um, I think you have, to tr you have to trust yourself as well. Like, I think so many people just don't trust themselves. They think that they're literally just like, a person who's just gained 50 kilos uh, with cardiometabolic disease in like three days if they stop tracking their calories. Like, or if they even overeat. Like you do have to trust yourself when you're moving towards this approach and actually think long term. Like we say it all the time, but it's actually a pretty hard thing to do. As in like if you make the conscious decision to accept that you're going to stop tracking, move towards this, this looser approach and this more hands-off approach. And you might have to accept the trade-off that there might be some short-term weight gain or even less successful weight loss in the short term. But at the same time, like how much progress have you made in the last, let's say, three to five years? For someone listening to this that's been training for that period of time, um, how much has your body composition changed? And then zoom in on any one of those, say, four to six-week periods. Like, do they all look the same? Were you always just making linear progress? Like, no. But at the same time, all those points brought you to where you currently are. And I think we often forget that there are those steps that take you to the end point. So you do have to trust yourself and you do have to view it as, I guess, a sort of an, an investment because there are a lot of like bonus points to this as well. Because like one of the, the downsides that, that can happen when people track is that they end up choosing foods purely because they're convenient to track. And I've seen this happen with a lot of clients um, and I've had it reported on Instagram as well um, from a couple of females in particular who just had a lot of anxiety about eating a meal out where there was, let's say, more than three ingredients. Because, you know, you got to search, you're going for your salad and you're like, put in the feta cheese, put in the blueberries, the pomegranate seeds, the walnuts. It's like, ah. And sometimes what, that, what that ends up doing is you actually not eating foods that could be helpful because you, they're either they're not on my fitness pal or there's too many ingredients or you think there might be too much of a margin of error between what you ate and what's actually there. So, what can happen as you move away from tracking sometimes is that people are happier to try out some recipes that have multiple ingredients. You know, they're happy to eat their mother's cooking. And um, these are all important things. Like, like one of my clients, James, he, he's kind of playing around with, you know, eating a little bit more lentils and beans and things like that. So just experimenting with foods that he wouldn't have eaten in the past because you just end up in this sort of fixed process where, oh, this is convenient to track. It's the most recent in my, my fitness pal thing. And sure, look, I know what a portion looks like. 
and you kind of get afraid to, to eat the, the meals in restaurants that you're not sure of or they have multiple ingredients or your mom made a stew and you're not quite sure of the the what exactly went in and like I've been there like I've been the guy who's like my mom's made a stew and I'm like what percentage beef was that mom how many spuds did you put in like what's in that gravy you know I've been there so I definitely appreciate it but it is very freeing very liberating when you begin to step away from it and start to just realize that you know right food is food you can have food with more than a few ingredients and if you actually just trust yourself you can probably eat a pretty healthful diet once you you know eat like a fucking adult as they say this is all very wise words gary <clears throat> again i know this is going to kind of i'm going to say go over some people's heads and it's also going to yeah. i don't even know the word it's going to somewhat annoy some people thinking like oh this is just stupid i would never eat intuitively why would i eat intuitively when i can just track and get awesome results and again like that's that's true but what i always look at things through the lens of and this is something we've talked about before gary it's like would you get your children to eat like this you know like whenever you're looking at a dietary approach just think would you recommend your children eat like this right and this holds true for whatever dietary approach you're using like do you want your children to see you eating like this do you want your children to copy these habits you know and this can be used to stop this kind of binge eating kind of behavior where it's like oh people really really restrict calories through half the day and do loads and loads of cardio just so they can eat out and it's like okay well is that something you want to teach your children to do like is that something that you would want to teach your 15 year old daughter to do is it hmm, probably not right and there's the same with this like is tracking calories forever something that you want your children to do you know again for most people probably not like again as i said like i like tracking calories i i understand that i am not the the, the normal the, the mean the average person in terms of like i actually enjoy it i like having that data most people just find it a chore so like even myself like i wouldn't want my children to have to track calories you know i wouldn't want them to be like beholden to some app to understand nutrition i'd rather they just built a good relationship with nutrition they understand how much food they were supposed to eat for their goals whether it's again health body composition performance whatever and they they understand understood how much protein they needed for that and the how to get a diverse selection of fruit veg meat whatever to actually hit those goals right so they, they would end up eating yeah, a lot more like you are eating now, Garrett. They understand things. They have that kind of portion control basis. So that, that's how I always view these, this, or this intuitive argument or intuitive eating argument. It's like, like this is kind of an advanced strategy as we're saying, but like if you could teach this strategy to someone from the beginning, like this would be probably the most effective way to eat. You know, people wouldn't need an app. They'd be able to listen to their body. They'd be able to understand basic nutrition principles and eat successfully without ever having to be overly anal with their food, you know? And again, I think that's, that's probably the approach that most people want. And again, for most people, especially if you're coming to this, like presumably there's no children listening to this, you know, like you, you're going to have to spend 
two to five years getting a good grasp of nutrition, tracking calories, doing portion control, doing whatever, before you can actually eat in an intuitive manner. Again, that's not to say that some people can't do this quicker because they can. Like I've had, especially, this is especially true if you do have someone guiding you through. That, that's the same with anything. Like if you have a coach and they're there to answer your questions, to point you in the right direction, to keep you on track and do whatever, then it's obviously much easier. Um, obviously the two to five year thing is mainly for people that are kind of going it alone. Like you get this much quicker if you, you had a coach, you know? And that's not just me trying to sell our services. I'm just saying, like, that's, that's the same with any, anything. Come on, come on. <laughs> uh, like, if you have a mentor in anything, you're going to get quicker or a better ability to do that quicker, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, it, like, I, I have clients, especially people like, say, GA clients or something that's like, they're not, they don't, like, really care about body composition. Like, obviously, they have to be at a certain body composition to perform well for their sport. But their their main goal is performing well for their sport while staying healthy, injury-free, et cetera, you know? And most of them, I'll start them out tracking calories, you know? I'll start them out building that understanding, get a good understanding of what calories, what that level of calories looks like for their needs, what level of protein they need to get, the fats, the carbs, et cetera, how we can kind of space these meals out to have them with full tanks of energy when it's most important to them for their games or their lifting sessions or whatever. And then after that, I kind of like get them to kind of move away from tracking, keep an eye to the overall volume of food they're eating, the portions they're eating. And then we see how body composition changes, how performance maybe changes, how weight changes. And then we adjust from there, you know? So again, like that, that could be done over a 12 week period, you know, depending on how and where and what they came to the, the coaching experience with, you know? Um, so again, it depends. Like we're saying this two to five years of experience you need, but it, it could be as little as eight weeks of experience if you have someone guiding you and pointing you in the right direction and then helping you build on that, you know? Um, but yeah, do you have anything else to add to that intuitive eating discussion before we touch on some other things where people kind of rely on one method of eating because it's a related discussion? Yeah, I suppose like the best way to understand why this is so effective is to look at your look at your friends that you know that are, you know, lean and healthy but have never tracked calories in their lives. Like they do this for a living. You know, that this is essentially what they've been doing their whole lives. You know, I know I know pl- I know plenty of people who eat, you know, a high quality diet, you know, really good quality diet. They maintain their body composition really well. But tracking calories actually just stresses them out. It actually makes their nutrition worse because it makes them hyper-focused on everything as opposed to just being who they've been all their lives, just kind of like choosing things based on hunger. Everyone needs to follow this path and eventually get here. Like you could be listening and, and be there already, and that's fine. But I mean, if, 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 if someone is like over, overweight, obese, unfit, you know, poor metabolic health and they're in they're intuitively eating and they and they never go down this path, then like that's not something you want to emulate either. That's not something you want to emulate either, obviously. Because clearly like we're talking about like the the people who are in the health 
the healthy category already that you would be emulating as opposed to someone who is not. So it's not just a case of trying to get everyone to not diet and just maintain forever either. Like obviously that that's not our, our philosophy anyway. Um, but what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Oh man, it's gone. It's gone. Done. So weak. I had a good point to make. It was probably wasn't even a good point to be honest. So anyway, we can move on if you'd like. You hate to see it. Um, yeah. So intuitive eating. It's not really intuitive. So people trying to sell you this dream of intuitive eating. It's not a thing. You still need to have these soft skills. You still need to have this understanding of nutrition on the whole. Yes, like Gary said, there are people out there that have never tracked calories and are able to eat in a manner that allows them to hit their needs. You know, obviously humans have been around for thousands of years. Like if we weren't able to do that, we wouldn't be here. Um, so it's definitely possible, right? And as Gary said, like there's definitely individuals that they've tracked for so long that they just don't really need to anymore. And they're just able to eat in a way that allows them to hit their needs. Like that's essentially what Gary's doing. And again, they might ever so often go back and track. Like Marco Dwyer does this as well, you know? Like he literally just eats how he needs to eat to fuel his body. And if, you know, it's summer's coming up or he's getting a little bit fat or something, it's like, right, so I need to just eat a little bit less. You know, maybe he needs to, he's having four burritos per week. He's like, all right, I'm going to cut that down to three, you know? Or he's eating out three times per week. He's like, okay, well, cut that down to two, you know? So it, a very intuitive approach is definitely possible. But like Gary, like Mark has spent years as well tracking calories, eating well, understanding portion control, trying out different diets, how they suit his body, you know? So you have to have those soft skills before you can kind of, you have to walk before you can run, basically is what we're saying right? So next thing is the, we'll call it the dogmatization of a diet, right? And that is where people will do like calorie tracking and they'll be like, all right, this is the be all and end all. This is the way, or like we're talking about here, intuitive eating. People be like this, this is the way, this is the only way you can do it, right? And Again, like think of any fad diet, any low carb, high fat, low fat, high carb, whatever the fuck, paleo, keto, whatever, right? You'll get proponents that are like, this is the only way to do it. I, like, I don't care if you've had success with a different method. This, this is actually the only way to do it. And, and they'll, they'll try to convince you that their way would be better, right? And this is, this is fair enough because <clears throat> I think intuitively people kind of always want to feel like they're doing the best thing that they could be doing, right? So they almost convince themselves that this is the best method. And then you obviously want to tell other people that, you know, like you want to spread that message, right? And I think for most people, this, this whole like dogmatization of a, a, a certain style of dieting just it shouldn't be part of the fitness industry because it actually does more harm than good because people will 
be led to believe that there is an optimal way of dieting when there isn't. And I mean dieting in the sense of like gaining weight, losing weight, maintaining whatever, like your actual diet. Um, like obviously there are better and worse methods. But at the end of the day, like we were saying earlier on, any diet that allows you to control for calories and hit protein targets and actually allow you to adhere to it is going to be successful, right? So all the rest of the stuff around that is just noise, right? So when you hear someone going on and saying like counting calories and macros is the only way you can get results because that's, that's what they experienced. They tried all these other diets. They did low carb. They did high fat. They did low fat. They did high protein, low protein, whatever the fuck. They tried them all, right? And they just couldn't get results. And then someone showed them my fitness pal and boom, they were able to get results. So obviously that person is get, then going to espouse that method as being the holy grail because they got results on it when they've tried everything else and they just didn't get results. So their N equals one, their experiment showed that this is the only way that works, you know? And unfortunately that kind of leads people astray because then you are led to believe that one way is the way when one of the other ways that this person tried could actually be a better way for you as an individual to diet, right? And you do see this a lot in the, the, the calorie macronutrient crowd. They're like, huh, are, you, are you not tracking? <laughs> so stupid. Like, are you, do you even science? It's like, this, this, <laughs> argument, this argument is so, so like poor for the fitness industry. Because, well, yes, like, as I said, like, I'm coming from this for, for the, with the perspective that I fucking love tracking, right? Like, I actually really, really enjoy it, right? But that does not mean that I'm going to go around and say, like, every single person should track. Do I believe that everyone should track at some stage to get a better understanding of nutrition? Hell yes. I think that's a good idea. Does that mean that I think you should be eating like that for the rest of your life? Hell no, right? If it's a way that you enjoy and you can stick to and it actually improves your adherence, it, like you enjoy it like I do, awesome. We found it. Holy grail for you. Keep it up until it doesn't work. Right? And again, this is, this is what I think kind of gets lost in the overall argument. There is no one way. Like it's not like, like the world is not like Newtonian physics. It's not like you just flick something and then you set off this chain reaction and you can determine every single thing that happens as a result. Once you know one force and you know the direction of it and whatever else, once you know the inputs, you can hundred percent calculate with certainty all the, the outputs and all the outcomes as a result of that. This, that's not how the world works. Unfortunately, we have a quantum world, which means it's fucked up, right? Um, so it's not Newtonian. It's not a Newtonian like clockwork physics. Um, and as a result, like you have to talk about the human experience. You have to talk about, you know, the psychology of eating, all those kind of things that play into your ability to actually stick to a diet, maintain a diet, actually have a, a good approach, a, a healthful approach to long-term eating. Like you, you need to talk about all those things to actually settle on a diet that's going to be beneficial for you in the long term. So saying that one diet is better than another is not wholly correct. There are 
better ways of dieting. Yes, a hundred percent. And again, like I would argue like that the tier system that we're talking about is the way you should go about things, you know, like that's like, I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't, didn't think that. However, that doesn't mean that I don't think certain fad diets aren't appropriate. And obviously those fad diets can also fit within the structure of what we're talking about in terms of the, the different tiers. Like you could eat a keto diet and be in tier two. You know, you could be looking at your portion control. You know, that's probably how you're going to have to eat a keto diet, you know, or you're going to have to be in tier three and actually track your calories and macronutrients on that keto diet. Right. So again, like we're not saying the tier system is the best way of dieting. We're just saying that this is the kind of underlying stuff that's going on with all these fad diets and with all these fad diets, whatever you can think of, they all essentially accomplish two things. Well, three things, which is control calories, get protein in and increase adherence by being a diet that you can adhere to, you know? So at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Like I think this whole argument of like, you need to do this diet or you need to be paleo or you need to do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, it's just noise in my opinion. So do you have anything to add to that, Gary? Yeah, like I think, I think it's people want an answer. As in like complexity is not sexy. As in like acknowledging complexity of the world in general, of training responses, of nutrition, it's just not sexy. Like it's much, it's much nicer and allows you to have more friends who relate to you if you're like the low volume to failure guy. Like that's who I am or I'm the high volume guy in the gym like people want to have like their identity shaped by how they train and it's very difficult to have an identity based on like actual evidence as in like if you look into the training research and you're like oh actually there's a massive variety of responses and i probably can't predict anyone's response without measuring it over a period of time it's like oh well that's boring <laughs> like you've got nothing to sell me it's like that's boring same when it comes to nutrition like it's much easier to be the carnivore guy because immediately you're on the team, man. Like you're on the team. Welcome to the club. Like I don't know if any of you are on Twitter. Like it's probably good if you're not. But what you'll see on Twitter is that like the little C sign, the copyright sign, like that's now used as like your carnivore badge. So carnivore people put that at the end of their name on Twitter. So like that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about like a cult. Like you're on the team, bro. Same, like it's the same with veganism in, in some cases. Same with keto. And like you're saying, same with people who track their calories and macronutrients. It becomes like you're on the team. And if you're standing back being like, actually, all of your diets work. You can probably be healthy on, on any of these. There might be some genetic differences and, and normal differences in your responses, but um, they're all probably fine. And they adhere to the principle of energy balance. It's like, who's this guy? Like, what team is he on? Like, if you can't settle, it's just not sexy. So people want that answer. But it's far more liberating to live like freely, like with some uncertainty, appreciating the nuances, especially as a coach, because then you can actually like advise people much better. And very often I think coaches advise because they genuinely do believe it sometimes as in they've done the low carb diet, they had success and they have that position now. So look at the other factors involved and, and you will be liberated. There's actually, there's actually pizza at the door. Two seconds. <laughs> 
That's actually disgusting, Gary. <laughs> that literally, I'm just going to keep talking while he's gone. I don't really care. But like that literally exemplifies what we're talking about. Like Gary, presumably it's for him. If it's not, like I don't know what, what he's doing with his life. Um, but like he's able to go, okay, look, actually I'm going to fit a pizza into my overall diet. Again, like is that optimal? Like if he was training for a bodybuilding show or whatever, would that be optimal? Probably not. Like let's be realistic probably not but like gary is obviously just looking to look at him with his hot tasty pizza uh, <laughs> well like obviously gary is looking to you know generally be healthy generally be fit generally have good body composition Completely mediocre <laughs> okay uh anyway uh and as a result it's like okay well i want to have pizza tonight because yep. my overall diet structure yep cool that's absolutely awesome yeah maybe it's over the the calories he needs for his overall goals and again gary having the understanding of energy balance having an understanding of this intuitive approach can go okay well you know maybe i want to have pizza tonight so i'm gonna like dial back on my calories earlier in the day or he might wake up tomorrow and be like you know i'm actually kind of full maybe i'm going to skip breakfast or i'm going to have a lighter breakfast or whatever he's able to have this kind of cyclic approach to eating so that he's not beholden to like oh i need to enter this into my fitness pal i can only have one and a half slices and you know you're kind of like okay well that, that's cool especially if you have very time sensitive body composition health performance goals where you're like i actually need to be very strict for a certain amount of time like like i was just saying gary i don't know if you heard while you were away and um, if you are like dieting for a bodybuilding show, like having an intuitive approach to dieting is probably not the, the most effective way to get you stage lean. Like actually tracking your calories and macros or whatever else is probably a better approach. That doesn't mean that you can't use like an intuitive eating style to get stage lean. That's, that's cool. It's probably just less effective than tracking calories and macros. So Gary, do you have anything else to add? Because it's sunny out here, so I don't mind leaving and going out into the sun. And I don't mind leaving you to eat your pizza. Yeah, no, that, that, that was good timing because it actually is a good example. As in, like, today, like, Laura came home from work. We were like, oh, yeah, pizza be nice. So basically what we did was, like, just had a small snack instead of dinner and then split the pizza, and then that'll fit into my calorie needs for the day. If I feel a little bit too full, and generally I notice that when I wake up in the morning, I'll have a smaller breakfast tomorrow. So again, it's about making this a longer-term thing, about being able to have a pizza with your girlfriend if you want, and not, not stress too much about it. Like That's ultimately where you want to get to, but you mightn't be there now, and like that's fine. Again, things change over time. It's all a learning process, and... And yeah, you too can reach pizza status one day. <laughs> and obviously you made Laura go to the gym and like do like a thousand calories of cardio. Yeah. Oh yeah. She, she's just back from Komogi training. Obviously she had to train like. She had to earn it like. For two slices. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that. that was a good discussion. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else to add, Gary? nope uh, sign up for our coaching services if you're interested in more in-depth guidance group coaching is available and one-to-one -one online coaching is available both of those information in the description box but other than that just note that it is too easy
literally is too, too easy, you know? <laughs>